It's great that God has given us so much ability and so much talent, but church, as we've shared through this sermon series that we're in called Best for Last, talking about the Holy Spirit being in us and working through us, we've recognized that talent and ability is not the main thing God is looking for. He's looking for our willingness and our availability, all right? And we are such a blessed church because God has given us so many people who are ready and willing and available to do the work of the ministry. And that's why God's been moving. It's because people like you have been faithful to show up, but not just to show up, but to show up and plug in and help do the work of the ministry that this community needs. Amen? So give yourselves a hand. I'm grateful for you all. I'm grateful for you all. We're going to finish this series up today, and then you'll be seeing a little bit more of Pastor Brian. Praise the Lord. I'm sure you're excited for that. But I don't want to end on a low note. We've had about four messages on the Holy Spirit, and this is going to be the very last one. And this is probably the most simple and the most basic, but I think it may also be the most important. Because we're talking this morning about freedom. We're talking this morning about freedom. And freedom is something that's near and dear to all of our hearts, because in 37 days, something very important is going to happen. 37 days on November the 3rd, our country is going to choose our next leader, or we'll choose to keep the current one that we have, and I can almost promise you that the thing that everybody is going to have in mind as we go to make that decision is freedom. It's freedom. This year in our country, We have dealt with the idea of freedom. I don't know if you all have seen this or not, but this last week, two people were arrested during a worship service because they were exercising a freedom that the government told them they no longer had. Church, we proclaim before you today that we rejoice in our freedom, that Jesus Christ has come to set us free, and we are going to live in that freedom, and we're going to stand in that freedom, and we believe that that freedom is blood-bought and earned by Jesus Christ. And we take it very, very seriously. And our church, if you haven't noticed, now if you've been here for a while, you've probably gotten used to it. But if you're relatively new and you've never been here before, you've probably noticed that we're a little bit different. And when I started coming around, it took me a while to get used to the difference. But what I figured out over time is that the difference is not for the sake of being different. We're not different because we think we're better. We are different because we are free. We are free people. We are not under obligation to look a certain way, to act a certain way, behave a certain way, or to present ourselves a certain way. The Bible says that we present ourselves as sacrifices unto God, that we present our worship to Him in that way. And I pray this morning that in this church, even if this is different than what you're used to, even if this isn't the type of environment that you grew up in, that you recognize that where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. And you are free here. You want to wear a tie, wear a tie. You want to wear a suit, wear a suit. You want to wear a mask, wear a mask. We are free in this place today because we are free standing together in the free grace that God gives us. We are free, but we don't use that freedom to stray away from the truth. In fact, I would suggest to you that the more free we are, the more free we are to go into the truth that God gives us. Amen? You see, I'm not afraid of preaching today because I'm afraid of offending anybody because the truth... Offensive though it may be to some people, the truth is the thing that set me free. And I believe that for you today, it may be the very thing that sets you free. And even if you're a Christian, even if you're a Christian in the room today, even if you know Jesus Christ as your Savior in your head and in your heart, I believe that there are Christians in our world, in our community, and maybe even in our church this morning, there are Christians 
who may still find themselves in bondage. I believe there are Christians today who still need to be set free from things in this world. And I want to talk to you about those Christians today. Maybe that's you this morning. Maybe you're saved, but you aren't living in the freedom that Jesus Christ bought for you. Maybe you aren't living in that abundant life that Jesus came to give us. So I want to talk to you this morning from Galatians chapter 5. We're going to have the scripture up on the TVs for you. Galatians chapter 5, Paul is writing to the church at Galatia, and he is writing to them because these are Christian people. You know how we know that? Because he says, you my brothers and sisters. He's talking to Christians. He's not talking to his physical brothers and sisters. He is talking to his spiritual brothers and sisters. If you are in Jesus Christ, you and I are brother and sister, whether you like it or not. We are part of the same family. Dysfunctional though we may be, weird though we may be, we are a family. Amen? Paul viewed it the same way. He says, my brothers and sisters, you were called to be free. He's talking to Christians. And they were called to be free. And you and I were called to be free. Amen? That hasn't changed over the last 2,000 years. Jesus hasn't gotten more uptight over time. Jesus isn't more worried today than he was 2,000 years ago. We may be, but he's not. See, the Bible says that right now, regardless of how anxious we are, he is seated at the right hand of God. And his posture, being seated, is a symbol. It is a sign that his work is already done. Which means the freedom that he bought for you, he doesn't have to make any more payments on that. The work is finished and that freedom is available. But these Christians in Galatia in the first century, and I believe many Christians today in America, are living a life that almost looks like it's free on the inside, but in bondage on the outside. Let me tell you what I mean by that. These Christians had accepted Jesus as their Lord and Savior. In fact, many of them had probably seen or heard about Jesus while he was still on earth. Jesus was walking around for about three years. He ministered. He healed the sick. He even raised the dead. He fed the hungry. And he preached the word of God in power and in spirit and in truth. But the Bible says many people did not believe in him. But after he raised from the dead and God sent the Holy Spirit to empower the apostles and the apostles began to preach about the resurrection of Jesus that thousands of people day by day were coming to know Jesus as their Lord and Savior. The church was growing and it was exploding in growth and it was exploding in influence and the church was growing faster than the government knew what to do with and the religious system at the time couldn't handle all the growth. It was more than they were ready for. Listen to what happened. As these Christians began to multiply and grow, there were people who were coming into the churches at that time, and they were teaching them that it was okay if you want to be a Christian. If you want to follow Jesus, that's fine. If you want Jesus to be your Lord and Savior, that's okay. But they were teaching these new Christians that they still needed to keep the Old Testament Levitical law in order for God to be pleased with them. What they were telling them is, is Jesus is fine. You can take or leave Jesus, but if you really want God to be happy with you, if you really want the blessed and abundant life, you need to make sure that you keep all the rules and regulations that you find in the Old Testament. And if you've ever read the book of Leviticus, there's a lot of them. There's a lot of them. You see, in this old system that the Jewish people lived under before Jesus came, they lived under a system that told them how to dress 
It told them how to talk. It told them how to eat, what to eat, what not to eat. It told them how to communicate with each other. It told them how to relate to each other. It told them how to relate with other people. It was a system that dominated every aspect of their lives. This was a system by which they believed that if we were going to please God, if they were going to please God, they had to keep all the rules and they had to keep all the regulations and they had to do everything right in order for God to be happy with them. And if they messed it up even a little bit, then they were going to fall out of grace and fall out of favor with God. And Paul comes to them and he says it like this. He says, brothers and sisters, you were called to be free. Amen? Free from that system. Free from the oppression of having to live one certain way and to do everything right. He says, but don't use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. So these Christians were being taught by these false teachers that they had to keep all the commandments. All the commandments in the Old Testament. And here comes Paul and he says, nope, there's one commandment that you keep. And if you keep this one, you'll get all the rest of them right. And that is to love your neighbor as yourself. We know that is the, the what? The golden rule? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Paul is repeating this. He said there is freedom in the Christian life. You don't have to come under these oppressive systems. And church, I declare to you this morning, though in our world today, in Metropolis, Illinois, Eastland Life Church, we don't really deal with people coming in and telling us that we have to keep the Levitical law. Believe it or not, Believe it or not, we have actually had members of this church leave and follow that type of teaching. So it is here. It does exist. But it's not common. It's not the most widespread belief system. And truthfully, Ryan, if there's anything that threatens our church, I don't think it's Judaism in Metropolis, Illinois today. That's not my number one concern, that our freedom is going to be interrupted by this Old Testament law system that Jesus Christ fulfilled and then gave us freedom from. But I do believe there are Christians today who are still slaves to a system. I believe there are Christians today who are still slaves to an old way, to an old way of thinking, to an old life. I believe there are Christians today who in their head know that Jesus Christ saved them to be set free. But when Jesus said, those who are free are free indeed, I think that some of us hear that and we say, yes, but you don't know my situation. I wish I was free, and in my head I'm free, but in my life I'm in bondage. My relationship's messed up, my finances are messed up, my life is messed up, my brain is messed up, my family's messed up. In life, I don't get to be free because though Jesus loved me enough to save me, he didn't love me enough to fix my life. And many of us live in that. We don't say that with our mouth, obviously. We're too good of Christians to say something like that. But in our hearts, don't we sometimes believe it? Don't we look back at God and go, God, you want me to be free. Why haven't you fixed my situation? Some of us live like that. Some of us are slaves to a system that tells us, and it's not from the Old Testament, but we're slaves to a world system that tells us that happiness and success only comes one way. It comes through career, 
It comes through money. It comes through fame. It comes through looking a certain way. It comes through having followers. It comes from likes. It comes from reactions. It comes from how people think of us, church. If we live as a slave to that, and if my happiness is dependent upon my ability to make other people happy or to keep my family together or to make my finances work or to have the great career that everybody tells me I should have, church, that's a lot of weight on one person. And that's a lot of weight on you. And that is not the type of freedom that Jesus Christ intends for us to live with. So my goal today is not that we would walk out of here feeling guilty because we haven't made God happy or we're not making the world happy. My goal is that we'll walk out of here today, number one, in freedom, knowing that God is already happy with us regardless of what kind of mess we live in. God is already pleased with us, not on our merit, but on the merit of Jesus Christ and what he did. Amen? You see, there was one performance in this life that truly mattered. There was one man who had to get it all right. There was one person who had to keep the law. There was one person who had to do everything right in order to please God. And that one person was not you and it's not me. It was Jesus Christ. And he did it. He did it. And because he did it, the world killed him, but death could not hold him down. Three days later, he got up out of the grave, and because he is alive and he lives on my behalf this morning, I get to wake up knowing that no matter what the world thinks about me, no matter how bad I've messed it up, no matter how much I don't measure up to the world's standards or to my own standards or to my family's standards, I measure up to Jesus. Because when God looks at me, Jesus is who he sees. That is true freedom. And my goal this morning is that we would all understand that and that we would live in that. And church, I believe in this scripture today, Paul is going to give us, Paul's the right of scripture, he's going to give us the keys we need to be able to do this. You see, freedom is within reach. The free, abundant Christian life is within our grasp, but we've got to make the decision to do it because we've got to do it God's way. Amen? You can't do it your own way. You do it your own way, you'll stay in bondage. You do it God's way, we will be free. Look at what he says here. Verse 15. He says, if you bite and devour each other, watch out or you'll be destroyed by each other. Right off the bat, isn't that interesting? Now, he's not talking about literal biting. I hope that wasn't going on in the first century church. I don't think it was. I think what he's talking about is right off the bat, he's talking about freedom and he's talking about, hey, there's one way that you can live in freedom, but there's a way that you can find yourself in bondage. And one of the first thing he points out, check this out. He says, if you bite and devour each other, you'll be destroyed by each other. It's almost as if Paul is telling us, the Holy Spirit speaking through him, that if Christians find themselves married to a system by which everybody we agree with is our friend and everybody we disagree with is our enemy, and we make it our life's goal to disprove the other side, it's as if he's telling us that's bondage. He's telling us that's slavery. Now let me ask you this morning, isn't that exactly what America looks like today? There are two sides, and you better fall on one or the other. And if you don't make a decision, then you've made the wrong decision. You better choose a side, and you better agree with everything that your side says. Because if you don't, you don't fall in line. And when you choose a side, you better attack the other side with everything you've got. And the world will tell us that when our side wins, we'll have freedom. You see, that's one thing that worries me about November the 3rd. And I've got my own political opinions, and I don't believe this is the platform to share them. Because this is about the word of God, not the word of Blake Jackson. Amen? But understand this. One of my fears for the church 
is that on November 3rd, if the wrong person gets elected, a lot of people in the church are going to go, oh my God, our freedoms are over. We're going to live in bondage now. It's over. We've lost it. America's done. The church is done. And the other side is going to say, hey, now we can have freedom. And vice versa, if the person that we want to get elected gets elected, we're going to go, oh, praise God, our freedom is safe. We've got our freedom, and we get to live in our freedom. But regardless of what happens, church, understand two things are universally true. Two things are universally true. Number one, both sides are going to continue to fight. And our country, on November the 4th, will still be enslaved to the world's fight, regardless of who wins. Number two, church, our freedom as Christians is safe regardless of who's in the White House. All right? Our freedom is safe. Now, understand this. I don't mean that political freedom is safe. You see, that can come and go. The world system is going to change all around us. Do you all realize that when Paul was writing this about freedom, he was writing this message from where? Prison. Paul was in as he wrote his letter talking about freedom. An imprisoned man was writing to them about how to live free. And he was writing to Christians who if they got caught by the government proclaiming Jesus as Lord, the Roman government would then arrest them and imprison them just like they had imprisoned Paul. And yet Paul is telling them, hey, you can live in freedom even if the world chains you up. You see, church, when we walk in step with the Spirit, as Paul's about to tell us in verse 16, understand this, there are decisions that we're going to make for Jesus Christ in our life that the world is going to hate. And if the world is our source of freedom, if the world's view of us is how we get our own self-worth and our own value, it's going to be very difficult to walk in the freedom of Jesus Christ because, church, sometimes freedom to the world looks like slavery. Sometimes when we follow Jesus, sometimes when we go after his kingdom, the world will do everything it can to lock us up. But church, understand this. There is more freedom in a relationship with Christ where we're free than there is anything the world can give to us. See, I would make the argument today. I would make the argument today that the elites in our country, with the money and the influence and the power, they wake up with more anxiety and fear than you and I do today. And we're not rich, we're not powerful, we don't have all that influence, but today there is no more free man than me in this country. I believe it. Because I'm not a slave to the world, I'm not a slave to what anybody thinks about me, I am simply free to be a follower of Jesus. We can all live that way. But we have to understand that from the world's perspective that can come with consequences. So how do we live in this freedom? How do we get this type of freedom? It's really, really simple. He says in verse 16, if you walk by the Spirit, you will not gratify the desires of the flesh, for the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other, so that you are not to do whatever you want. So Paul makes this really, really simple, that if we are to live in the freedom that Jesus Christ bought for us, we are to walk with the Spirit. We are to walk with the Spirit. As we've gone through this series... We've talked about the Holy Spirit, and we've talked about how the Holy Spirit is inside of us. Amen? You see, when we receive Jesus Christ as our Savior, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit, not only does He empower us to do that, but He then fills us when we do that. 
When you became a Christian, the Bible says that you were baptized in the Holy Spirit. You received the Holy Spirit. And then the Bible commands us to be filled with the Holy Spirit, meaning that we do everything we can in our life to consume as much of God as we can get through church, through our word, through media. Whatever we can get of God that is of His will, we should be consuming that so that we can be filled up with the Spirit. So up until this point, the Holy Spirit's involvement in our life Life has looked very, very personal. It's looked very much like it's on the inside only. But here, Paul, writing from prison, talking about what true freedom looks like, Paul says this Hey, you walk in step with the Spirit. You walk in step with the Spirit. He says, If you are led by the Spirit, you are no longer under the law. But we walk in step with him. He said, if you are led by the Spirit, you are no longer under the law. Now look what he does here. He's going to give us a couple lists. And I've heard this message preached before. I've, I've heard the message about the fruit of the Spirit. And that's what we're going to talk about today are the fruits of the Spirit. And I've heard it preached about these lists. And it gives these lists and it says, all right, if you've got one of these sins over here, then you need to repent of these sins and you need to make sure that you've got all these fruits. And those are true. But I want us to see where it goes here. Look at this. He says in verse 19, the acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. That's a big, bad list. Amen? It's a big, bad list. But notice that in verse 19, if we can go back there for just a second, he tells us in verse 19 that the acts, plural, of the flesh. He tells us about what life in the flesh, what life in bondage looks like, and he gives us this big list. He said the acts of the flesh are obvious, and he gives us a big list of them. But then in verse 22, when he talks about what the life in freedom looks like, he says that the fruit of the Spirit, singular, the fruit of the Spirit, and then he gives a big list, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. He gives a list of sins in verse 19 that is bondage and then he gives one outcome that is freedom church what I will tell you today what I believe he was trying to hammer home is not the idea that there are many many different ways to get to God I think he's hammering home this idea that bondage can look like many different things there are many faces to slavery Satan does not care which one of those you choose as long as you choose one of them at least one of them are you with me? There's many, many ways that you can get this thing wrong, but there's only one face of freedom. There's only one name by which we are saved, the Bible says, and that is Jesus Christ. You see, the outcome or the fruit of the Spirit is all a package deal. We don't get to choose which fruit we have and which we don't. When we follow Jesus in step with the Spirit, the Bible says this will be the outcome. In 23 and 24 and verse 22, all of these lists, these are the things that are going to characterize the Christian. But we only get that outcome, we only get that fruit, we only get that type of growth in our life if we keep step with the Spirit. And here's where I want to get ready to close. Church, I believe the reason that many Christians today, though we know Jesus is our Savior in our heads and in our hearts, the reason that we don't live in freedom today is because many of us have a Christian life that looks a lot like this right here. You with me? This is what being a Christian is to us. 
hurt is about finding my seat and sitting in my seat and consuming the content of Christianity and then leaving and waiting until the next service in which we do it again. And this becomes the whole of the Christian life for many people. Now, I will tell you, I don't believe that's true of this church primarily. I believe that we are uniquely gifted by God with people who are workers and servants, not simply consumers. But I can't speak for every heart today. I can't speak for every person in the room today. What I'll tell you is that in America, while almost half of our country proclaims to be a Christian, most of those people who proclaim Jesus with their lips live a life that does not exhibit any of the power of Jesus Christ. And I believe it's because most people who call themselves Christians live like this the majority of the time. And as we live in this seated posture by which God is not working through us, we sit in this posture and we make our lives about consumption. Social media, whatever the TV will throw at us, whatever the world tells us, we sit and we consume it. But then twice a week we sit down in a church building and we hear the word of God and we wonder why our life isn't free. And our life is not free, not because Jesus hasn't done the work. It's not because grace isn't what it used to be. It's not because salvation in 2020 isn't as powerful as it was in 1820 or in 1920 or in AD 20. Salvation and God's freedom is just as powerful and life-changing as it's ever been. You see, our country and our culture and our community is not so far gone that Jesus can't save it. Do you believe that? We are not far from revival, church. Listen to me. We've already seen shadows of it in our midst in the last few months. You see, that community out there is not too far gone. Our government is not too far gone. Our world is not too far gone. Church, I would even make the argument that the country we live in is not nearly as agnostic as the country that Paul was living in as he wrote this from prison. None of us are in prison today because of our faith. If God could save people when it was illegal to be saved, don't you think God could still save people today? Let me tell you what the difference is between then and between now. If you've ever read the book of Acts and you get to chapter 2 and you get to chapter 3 and you see people being saved and you get to chapters 4 and 5 and you watch people literally walking down the road witnessing to unbelievers and unbelievers getting baptized in the river right there on the spot and you think to yourself, why does the church not have that type of power today? Why is it that in our churches today, we don't see this mass conversion like this? Why is it that God isn't saving people today like he did then? Church, I would submit to you that the reason is that most people who call themselves Christians do not keep in step with the Spirit. We aren't keeping up with where he's going. We have convinced ourselves that the gospel of Jesus Christ is about hearing something, agreeing with something, and then sitting and listening to something. And that is not the freedom that Jesus called us to. Man, if, if Christianity was all about this building, that'd be a tragedy. Church, let me tell you something. This building and this church, if this is all there is to the Christian life, this building and this church has taken an awful lot of my time and an awful lot of my money. And if this is all there is to it, that on the weekends we get to come in and we get to sit and we get to listen. Church, I love to talk, but I don't love to talk that much. There's a lot of things that we could be doing. 
Let me tell you about the freedom of the Christian life that gets me excited and makes me want to get into this building and spend my time and spend my money and spend my energy. Here's the truth of it. Outside of the four walls of the church, Jesus Christ radically transformed my life. He changed everything about me. He changed my desires. He changed my outlook. He cha- church, he changed my personality. If you don't believe me, just ask my brother-in-law. He used to make fun of me all the time. He changed everything about me. But not only did he transform me and change me, he began to use me to be an instrument by which he would transform and change my family. Not just my children, not just my wife, but my parents and my grandparents were impacted by the ministry that God was doing in me and in the people of this church. And y'all may not even realize that. You see, the miracles that happen that are providing freedom aren't generally what we see on Sunday morning. It's happening when we leave this building and the Holy Spirit is out there in the community moving. He is moving in church. He's moving quickly. There are people out there that He is after. There's a world out there that He is ready and willing to save, but He tells us in His Word that they're never going to hear it if somebody doesn't go and tell them. And church, if you are the type of Christian where the highlight of your Christian life is when you get to come in and you get to sit down and hopefully it's great music and hopefully it's a great message and hopefully we get out before 12.15, praise God. If that's all there is to it, life is going to feel like bondage because two hours of freedom a week is not enough for you. Church, it's not enough for you. I believe there's Christians in this room today that if I were to ask you, what has God done in you? Not your circumstances. See, I'm not here to talk about circumstances. And I, that's, what, that's what we do. We go, wait a minute, Pastor. I hear what you're saying, and this sounds right, and this looks right, but if you only knew my circumstances, you wouldn't talk to me about freedom because in my particular circumstance, there's no way out. It's already broken. It's already busted. It's already too far gone. Too far gone. The papers are already signed. The declaration has already been made. Pastor, if you knew my situation then you wouldn't blame me for being in bondage. You wouldn't blame me for being stuck in the situation I'm in. On the contrary, dear Christian, Paul wrote this from prison, and yet he was free. You see, God's freedom does not look like all of our circumstances being fixed. God's freedom looks like us being fixed despite our circumstances. That's what... Christ's freedom is in me. He's not here to fix everybody else. He's here to fix me. Because believe it or not, I am my biggest problem and you are your biggest problem. The bondage that you're in, I'm not saying that your situation's your fault. I Listen, I, I look around the room today and I know some of the stories and a lot of what has happened to you, you didn't ask for, you didn't deserve it, you didn't want it, and it came to you and it hit you like a Mack truck. And nobody's blaming you for that. But church, the moment that we look back up at God and we say, but God, because of what's happened to me, I no longer have the ability to be free, that's the moment that the Spirit keeps moving and we get stuck. That's the moment the Spirit keeps moving and we get stuck. God's goal and desire for you this morning is that you would get unstuck, Christian. You see, it's a tragedy 
And I'm ready to close. Ryan, if you would come, if we could get a few musicians to come. We're going to have a time of invitation. Church, it's a tragedy. Listen to me. We all agree that it's a tragedy when a non-believer dies without Jesus Christ as their Savior. Amen? We know what kind of tragedy that is. And church, one of the reasons that we exist this morning is so that if there's anybody in this room today who doesn't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you've never made that decision, you've never forward publicly confessed Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Master. When somebody dies without Him, the Bible says that they will spend eternity in a place where the Bible says the worm never dies. It is a place of eternal torment. It's not a pretty truth. It's not something that we just get excited to talk about, but it's a reality. And church, when somebody dies without Jesus as their Savior, we can all agree that's a tragedy. Amen? And if that's you today, if you don't know Jesus as your Savior, my goal is not to scare you into making a decision that you don't want to make. My goal is that the Holy Spirit this morning, through the preaching of God's Word, would enable your heart to understand your lost situation and help move you to make the decision that today is the day that your life can be changed and transformed by Jesus. We with you today. We with it. If you need Jesus, you can have him today. But listen to me. We all are well aware of that tragedy. But church, there is another tragedy. And it may not be equal in scope. But church, I believe that it grieves the heart of God. And that's the tragedy of the Christian who has been loved and called to freedom who has been transformed from the inside out by the Holy Spirit's salvation. There is a tragedy this morning of the Christian who knows the truth in their head and in their heart, and yet they sit in the jail cell of bondage in their life. Whatever the circumstances are, whether it's your marriage, whether it's your relationship, whether it's your money, whether it's your home, whatever it is, it could be your career, it could be your health, whatever it is, that has got us sitting in bondage, scared to death, and not free. The tragedy that we want to avoid today is the tragedy of that Christian who sits in that jail cell and the door is not locked. The door's not locked. It's wide open. And the Spirit, He's out there and He's moving. Yes, He's inside of you. Yes, He's empowering you. Yes, you've got the Holy Spirit if you're a Christian. But understand, you will not experience the freedom He brings if you stay stuck in the mess you're in.